The Joy of M Sports presents The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch-A-Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode on The Sweet Spot as we dive into the national championship. You know it's going to be the talk of the country with Ohio State, number three, number one, Alabama, Monday night, January 11th at 7 o'clock on ESPN. A game that looks to be very promising. You know, a lot of times... Uh, in championship games, just kind of one-sided. There is a team who clearly just dominates the game from start to finish or some way or somewhere in the second quarter or right after halftime. But I think this game will be different for sure. I think that will be a very close matchup between the Buckeyes and the Crimson Tide. But before we dive into Alabama-Ohio State, I just want to issue an apology for Clemson. And I know usually you don't apologize for something you haven't done. So this is just a scenario where I'm just kind of just being empathetic for the Clemson Tigers. So, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, You guys were kind of, you know, dealt a short stick and a short hand with Ohio State being allowed to play in the playoff to begin with. I mean, there's four teams, as we know, which – you know, that playoff does need to be expanded. I may dive into that a little bit later. But four teams are allowed. Alabama, definitely number one team all year. They've been great, averaging 50 points a game. Number one, yes, they're in. Two, Clemson, of course, deserve to be in. They only, uh, you know, had one loss. So that was a Notre Dame, of course, with Trevor Lawrence being out earlier in the year at South Bend, and that game went into multiple overtimes as well. Then you look at the three and four spot. First, we'll talk about number four, Notre Dame, who was at that ranking going into the college football playoff. Yes, their only loss came in the ACC championship game, but they lost 34-10. to 10. I mean, it's not like they lost by a field goal or just a late score by the Clemson Tigers. They were demolished from the start. Like, I literally changed the game in the second quarter, at the beginning of the second quarter, to watch the NFL. I believe it was like the Bills and Broncos or something like that uh, on that Saturday. But that's how disinterested I became so early in a matchup that should have been uh, a lot more, you know, I guess exciting and a lot more just competitive from the two teams that we saw go to double overtime earlier in the year. And and it showed, you know, Trevor Lawrence not being there was a huge impact on why Clemson lost that game to begin with. So Notre Dame should not have been in the top four as well. Now, number three, Ohio State. And this is where this one really bugs me a lot more than the fighting Irish getting in. So you look at number three, Ohio State. Okay. To start the season, they're not playing, right? A couple months in, everybody else is playing. You know what? We're going to play. But in order to qualify for the Big Ten championship game, you must play six games. They didn't do it. They only played five. Regardless of the conspiracy with Michigan not wanting to get beat by Ohio State and wanting to you know, screw Ohio State by not uh, allowing them to play that sixth game that would qualify them for the conference championship game. 
it doesn't matter. You created that rule as a Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren. I know he's new to the game, but still, you jumped the gun. You acted prematurely with the pandemic that, you know what, let's let's panic and no football. Like, no, let's kind of go with the flow and see how this thing plays out, just like the SEC did, ACC did. But, no, Big Ten wanted to shut it down immediately. To me, it's just not right that they're – here we go. They're literally one game away from becoming national champions after playing a half season. You know, if they were to beat Alabama, which is very possible, they should get half a trophy because he played half a season. And I'll get into that a little bit later with the whole six games and, you know, some of the things that have been said in response to support Ohio State playing six games and still being in the playoff. But going back to this whole six-game scenario where Ohio State was awarded a berth in the conference championship and then one of the four final spots in the college football playoff. Now, what if there were four students going for scholarships? Uh, The requirements for those scholarships are you must have a 3.5 GPA and at least six college credits upon graduation uh, in high school. So the four students Let's break them down. We've already established Alabama's in 4.0 GPA. They went undefeated in the regular season. And then they had 10 credits. They played 10 games, so I'm giving them 10 credits. So this is all prior to any conference championship. Number two, we said Clemson. Clemson is in. They only lost that one game to Notre Dame. They played 10 games in the conference, so they're in as well. Now we're looking at two more spots. But we have three students who are in the running for these final two spots. Starting off with Texas A&M. You know, I gave them about a 3.8 GPA. I mean, their only loss in conference was to Alabama, number one Alabama early in the season. You know, they always say that if you're going to lose, lose early because you have time to make up that loss. Well, Texas A&M did just that, winning seven straight games after that Lost to the Crimson Tide 52-24 to in October. So they met the requirements. They played a full schedule almost. They had the one cancellation. They had nine games. So that's nine credits, 3.8 GPA. They're qualified. They're one of the four in the playoff or one of the four students who gets a scholarship, right? So there's one spot left. And, okay, Ohio State, we know. We'll get into that. I'm going to start with Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I give them a 3.5 GPA playing in the American Athletic Conference. We know it's not one of the strongest. It's not a Power 5 conference. But of those nine games that they played, they had five wins against teams with a winning record. So you have to account that for something when you're looking at a team who can only play the conference they're dealt, and they were undefeated through that entire regular season. So I am not going to penalize a team that – is well coached as we know Luke Fickle did a great job with the Bearcats this year they won all their games they had nine games they did everything that they were asked to do and we saw against Georgia how they gave everything the Bulldogs could have asked for and more in that Peach Bowl so this whole notion that teams you know from non-power five schools can't beat teams in Power 5 schools, is ridiculous because that's why you play the game. I mean, these games are not played on paper. And although certain scenarios may not be probable, it is possible on that one day 
that a school like a Cincinnati or a Boise State or Coastal Carolina, uh, Liberty, I mean, these on one day, they could win that game. Now, if it was like NBA or, you know, MLB, NHL, when it gets to postseason playoff time, they're playing a th- best three out of five, best four out of seven series. Okay, now it's a little more difficult. Now you're asking a Coastal Carolina to beat a Clemson four times out of seven games. Okay, that's that's where we're getting ridiculous. And this is football, so we don't have to worry about any kind of series. So, But we're looking at one game. One game on one day, this team has to show up and for 60 minutes, they could beat that other team regardless of who it is. Anything is possible on one day. So to me, Cincinnati should have been one of those four teams or one of those four students who's would have been rewarded a $10,000 scholarship. Now, talking about the Buckeyes of Ohio State, and it's just Ohio State. It's not the Ohio State. There's not another school in this country with the name Ohio State. So it's just Ohio State. Talking about the Buckeyes, I gave them a 3.5 GPA and five credits because they only played five games. So going into the manipulation by the Big Ten of changing the rule that you clearly stated at the beginning of the season that you must play a total of six games to be allowed a berth in the conference championship. Okay, Ohio State has five credits. For the scholarship, you must have a 3.5. They got that 3.5, and it's like, okay, that's pretty low GPA. Well, you look at the teams they played prior to that Northwestern game where they shouldn't have been playing them in the conference championship game. They had one win against a team with a record over 500, and that was Indiana. One win. So that's why they have a 3.5 GPA. Regardless of their talent and four-star, five-star recruits, they had one win against a team with a winning record. So to me, the way I broke it down is with this whole student scenario, scholarship scenario, Okay, do you punish a student for not being able to make the decision to play when the Big Ten basically said this is the rule, but, hey, we want this money to come back to our conference. Let's make sure Ohio State gets in so they get into the playoff. We have all this millions of dollars coming to our entire conference and distributed throughout these schools. And you know what? Maybe, just maybe, they can win the entire thing. And here we go. Possibly Monday night, January 11th, this is exactly what could happen as that would just really set this entire, uh, you know, like I love college football, but it's really watered down over the last few years for me because you look at the NBA, you look at the NFL, you look at NHL, you look at March Madness, which is my favorite singular event in sports period. They have a playoff, they have tournaments or whatever you want to call it. It's literally one clear-cut champion because they go through a playoff system, winner stays up. College football doesn't have that. They have a a group of people, a committee, as you will, decide who are the four teams that gets in. And generally it's the same three or four teams, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, maybe a Washington in there, maybe a Michigan State. You know, maybe Georgia, Oklahoma, they're getting in. But what about the entire college football program and the system, the teams who don't get an opportunity to 
you know, contend for a national championship. I mean, I haven't won many championships in any of my sport years growing up, you know, but these guys are college student athletes, and you're basically saying if you don't go to one of these four or five schools, you're not going to win a national championship, regardless of what your record is, regardless of how good your team is, regardless of who you are and your team that you have proven year in and year out or in that particular year that you're one of the better teams. But just because you don't have that brand name that's going to bring in revenue and bring in certain type uh, viewership and listenership, you're not included. You know, it's, it's, it's really sad just to see the way that money rules everything. And we know that cream cash rules everything around me. So, if you look at the college football picture, there's 130 teams. But as I mentioned, there's about five schools that are consistently in the running for a playoff spot. Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, maybe Oklahoma, maybe Notre Dame, maybe Michigan State. So around five teams, right? If you do your calculations, five schools out of 130 teams – that's 4% of the teams are getting a shot to be a part of the college football playoff experience. 4%. It's the same five schools. Same five schools. And that's where college football has really lost uh, its love for me. Like, I I mean, or love, my love for the game, I should say, just because it's the same every single year. Uh, you look back. NBA and 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 the NBA, like I mentioned, okay, yeah, they play, they play, they. But I, I got tired of seeing Golden State and Cleveland for four straight years, and I'm pretty sure everybody else did outside of those two fan bases. But with college football, these are student athletes. You're telling them if you don't go to these certain schools, you there's no way you're going to be able to compete for a national championship. And so, like I mentioned, March Madness is my favorite because hey, Butler can get in. Butler made it to the national championship one year. They lost to Duke. Very next year, they lost to UConn. And those are two very good Butler Bulldog teams that they put on the court those two years with Gordon Hayward leading the way and, and Shelvin Mack and, of course, head coach Brad Stevens, who's now with the Boston Celtics. So college football, get it right. Expand the playoff to eight teams. And I can't take credit for this proposed scenario, but this is what I read. I know my cousin, Jeremy Holden, we talked about this as well, and he added insight on that. And... If you look at it and you take the champion, the conference champion from each one of the Power 5 schools, that's five teams, right? Now I'm going to take the non-Power 5, the team with the highest ranking of the non-Power 5. I guess this year it would have been Cincinnati. Cincinnati's in. That's six. To get to eight, give me two at-large teams. So that's where, say when we had that year with Bama and LSU, 9-6, to six, Bama loses in double overtime. LSU won that conference championship because they won the SEC West, right? So they got a chance to play in Atlanta, and they ended up winning, as I mentioned. Well, that Bama team was really good, and they lost to LSU by three and missed four field goals or whatever it was in that game. They would be one of those at-large teams that gets in, all right? So you that way, okay, if you don't win the conference championship, there's still a chance you play a strong schedule, you lost one game to a really good team, or you just had an off day but you're clearly one of the teams that should be included. That's the way two at-large teams would be involved in the playoff, even though they didn't win their conference. So to recap, you look at an 18 playoff, just a proposal, and I love the idea. 
if it were to happen, it wouldn't happen for another three years if they decided it tomorrow. Still wouldn't happen for another three years, like 2024, 2025, or something like that. But looking at the proposed 18 playoff that I've read about, that me and my cousin Jeremy have discussed, you take the champion from the Power 5 schools, that's five. You take the best team from the non-Power 5 schools, that's six. And then two at-large bids, okay? And some people are like, well, that's too many games. Well, Division 2 has a full playoff. They have a full playoff. First round, second round, semifinals, finals, all that stuff. Uh, you know, so why is it okay for Division 2 teams to play more games, but Division 1 kids can't? Same age group, same kids come from the same backgrounds. So I don't want to hear there's too many games or anything of that nature. So that's my whole take with college football and why it's watered down. Yes, it'll be successful because it's football. Football is the king in the United States. But as a whole, it's a very broken system, as we've heard quite a few people allude to that whole notion that college football could be a lot better than what it currently is. And for those who say, you know what, Ohio State would have went undefeated in a normal season, normal year anyway, are we sure about that? Because, like I said, these games are played on the field, not on paper. And you look at the Buckeyes' history, you look back in 2017, Ohio State lost to the Iowa Hawkeyes 55 to 24. Very next year, lost to Purdue 49 to 20. So let's rethink this whole notion that Ohio State would just skate through undefeated like they normally do. Because in the last 10 seasons, from 2010 to 2019, we're not counting 2020 for Ohio State, who played six games. And I know a lot of people aren't counting 2020 altogether in general, but. Talking about Ohio State, the last 10 seasons, 2010 to 2019, they've gone undefeated in the conference only twice. Two times in the last 10 seasons. They finished the regular season in the conference championship if they made it. They skated through undefeated only twice. So, as I said before, that whole notion that Ohio State would go undefeated in a regular season anyway. It's the Big Ten. They're clearly one of the best. I'm uh, not so sure about that. That's what history tells me. That's what everybody loves to talk about, numbers and stats. Well, the numbers and stats tell me that 20% of the time Ohio State finished the conference, the Big Ten conference undefeated. So probably wouldn't have happened this year either. Now, this last little topic on Ohio State, and it may sound like I don't like them. Well, I don't. And I know there's a lot of people who don't like them either, but uh, just calling a spade a spade. It is what it is. So, Kurt Herbstreet, who calls ESPN, ABC, he does everything. And it seems anytime Ohio State's on national television, he gets to call the game as well being an alum playing quarterback for the Buckeyes years ago. Now, take a listen to this audio from the CFB podcast on ESPN with David Pollock, Kirk Herbstreet, and Kevin Nagandi. As Kirk Herbstreet talks about why it's more of an advantage for Clemson 
than it was Ohio State going into that semifinal playoff matchup. You know, six games in, people can talk about what an advantage it is for Ohio State to only play six games. If you've watched him, I look at it completely opposite. I think it's a disadvantage because they don't know who they are yet. You get to play 11 or 12 games, and as a defense, you can gel together. You can learn, oh, okay, that doesn't work. That does work. He can do this. He can't do that. Oh, he's getting better at this. And 12 games later, you have a better idea of who you are. His statement for the Buckeyes getting in, only playing six games, you know, he talked about the continuity and how, you know, okay, Clemson has played a lot more games. They've got it figured out offensively and defensively through six games. Ohio State, clearly they don't know what they have yet. But six games is half a season in a normal year. I think through half the season you know what your team is, and fans can tell you who – their team is six games through uh, through a season. So I'm pretty sure coaches know exactly what they're looking at as well through six games. So that whole idea that, okay, they play six games, it's a disadvantage for the Buckeyes. No, I think it's more an advantage, dude. We're we talking about college football, one of the most dangerous sports in the United States today, if not the most dangerous sport in the United States, because – Think about which sports they harp on about player safety. And if you look at it, it's just football. You really don't hear too much in baseball, basketball, hockey, even as physical as that sport is. It's football. They're preaching player safety every single year, starting with the peewee and the little kids all the way through the professional ranks. So, man, you're looking at a team that's played six games. A plate six games going into that semifinal matchup. The Buckeyes were a lot less banged up, not just physically, but mentally as well. So a team that played six games, Clemson played 11 going into that matchup. You know, I, I look at it like I coach 9- and 10-year-old boys basketball, and I love my guys. If any of you are listening, I'm super excited for our season and what God has in store for us. We run suicides at the end of practice sometimes. You know, we'll play this game called shoot for fun or shoot to run. So I'll give the guys, hey, it's 10 of us. You know, we're going to have 20 shots, two each. Let's make 10 of the 20. And how many we're short by, that's how many suicides we run. So if I want 10 out of 20 and we only make seven, we're running three suicides, right? So you take Ohio State, who's played six games, or take my team that now has to run six suicides, or a Clemson team that played 11 games and you have to run 11 suicides, which one's going to be a lot more exhausted by the time these two teams meet? So that's kind of how I see that whole six-game Ohio State team now being in the national championship with an opportunity to become champions when they probably shouldn't be. Now, this is not taking away the talent, and they do look really, really good, especially in that win over Clemson. Uh, I think that was Clemson team was, you know, definitely not one of the more stronger Clemson Tiger teams we've seen in recent years. And I heard that first from a Clemson fan, Heath Thompson. He was on my show last year. We were at the H.A. Ashford game on a Saturday about a week ago. 
And, you know, he, he said it. He was just like, man, this team that we had, it wasn't really one of the stronger teams. And we clearly saw that in that game against Ohio State. So I'm not taking away the talent that Ohio State has because they are clearly talented. And we will dive into that in the next segment when I talk about the matchup itself. Ohio State, Alabama, 7 o'clock on ESPN, January 11th. Stay tuned for more as we dive into that national championship matchup between these two historic teams. Hey, this is Corey Campbell for the Houston Academy Raiders. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on the Joy FM Sports. Attorney Kaz Espy is a proud supporter of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Kaz has experience in both federal and state courts regarding a wide range of civil matters. Specializing in bankruptcy, debt resolution, probate, and estate planning, Kaz listens to the concerns of his clients, understanding their individual needs. Attorney Kaz Espy, phone 334-793-6288 or online at espymetcalf.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is a proud business ministry partner with the Joy FM. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Now locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp, Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Phone 334-671-POOL. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Hey, this is Cam McKinney, former Rehoboth Rebel. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley on the Joy FM Sports. Welcome back to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinchapenny Pool Patio and Spa. As we continue this preview of the national championship, January 11th, number one, Alabama, number three, Ohio State, 7 o'clock on ESPN. I really do believe that this matchup has a chance to be a great one. Uh, I mean, we're looking at two very talented teams, as we know, uh, these two traditional programs who are always in the thick of things when it comes to being the last team standing. Um, first off, you got to look at this Alabama team led by, of course, Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith, the first receiver to win the Heisman Trophy since Desmond Howard did for Michigan back in 1991. So congratulations to Devontae Smith because he has definitely earned it. Um you know, he's a stud, and it's impressive, especially considering with Waddle going down against Tennessee with an ankle injury and still being able to put up numbers because you would think for sure that teams are, you know, bracketing, showing more coverage towards Smith, but he continues to find a way to get open, and Mac Jones, Mac Jones, the leader of the team, continues to be everything that the Crimson Tide need him to be at their quarterback position. We know uh, traditionally under Nick Saban, the quarterbacks at Alabama have been more of what they call game managers, someone that just don't lose the game, you know, just make a few throws each game. We're going to rely heavily on the run game, and then we're going to play good defense behind it. So uh, you look at guys like Greg McElroy, Jacob Coker, A.J. McCarron a little bit. I mean, he could do a little more things, but I, um, yeah, that's kind of what you 
had when it came to Alabama quarterbacks prior to guys like Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, and even Mac Jones now. So Mac Jones, the progression and the the elevation of his game has been nothing short of spectacular. I did not see Mac Jones having this type of year, but he has really impressed me. And I think when it all comes to April in the NFL draft, he'll be a first-round pick. So watch out for Mac Jones, middle, late, first round, come April. Now, the one that doesn't really get to talk is Najee Harris. I, I still don't get it. You know, um, this is a guy that going into the SEC championship game, a contest where he had five touchdowns, two rushing, three receiving. He had 22 rushing touchdowns on the season before that SEC championship game against Florida. And he still didn't get invited. And, well, I should say, well, he still wasn't a finalist for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I said invited, but, of course, it wasn't any ceremony as far as being held in New York like it normally is. But, you know, I just don't get it. He's really the X factor. He is the difference maker because – we know how great Mac is. We know how great um, Smith is. But Najee Harris is the difference maker because, you know, he continues to show up each week, each and every week. And, you know, he is really what has been the uh, focal point when it comes to late in games. Can we ice the game? Can we put a team away running the ball, eat the clock, move the chains. Najee Harris has been a stud for sure for the Crimson Tide. So defensively, you know, you're looking at Christian Barber on the defensive line. He's a guy that consistently um, has shown up on mock drafts to go in the first round. So be expecting for the redshirt sophomore to enter the draft and to be selected somewhere in that first round. Uh, Of course, they have Patrick Sertan. You know, his dad played for the Dolphins and the Chiefs, a great cornerback in the 90s, early 2000s. Um, So expect Sertan to be in that first round as well, probably top 10 more than likely. I know I saw a projection to go to the Cowboys, so uh, that would be pretty impressive to see Sertan on one side of the defense at the cornerback position and then have Trayvon Diggs on the other end who also went to Alabama. So, um Watch out, that could that could very likely happen because we know the Cowboys need help everywhere, but especially in that secondary. Josh Job in the secondary as well for the Crimson Tide defense. A stud linebacker group. You have Christian Harris, Will Anderson, and Dylan Moses. You know, this Alabama defense, they're starting to click. They're starting to gel a little bit. I know they, you know, allowed 46 points against Florida, but that Florida offense was potent. I mean, Kyle Trask led the nation in passing touchdowns and passing yards. So um, I'm not surprised with the showing that the Gators had against that Alabama Crimson Tide defense. But they do face a tall task against this Ohio State offense with Justin Fields, of course, to transfer from Georgia. He has not disappointed at all. This guy can make plays with his feet. He can make plays with his arm, a cannon of an arm, as we saw in that game against Clemson where, you know, he took that shot and I thought he was done. In the second quarter when he took that hit, I was, oh, he's done. There's no way he's coming back. Go ahead and send him to the locker room. Maybe a chance to come back in the second half. But, I mean, you you saw him try to get on a stationary bike and just uh, the pain and the anguish written on his face as he stayed in the game and continue to excel at such a high level against a very good Tiger team. And, uh, you know, I really came away 
impressed. I mean, I've always been impressed by Justin Fields, a guy who actually started his commitment to Penn State prior to enrolling at Georgia. And of course, as I mentioned, he transferred from Georgia to Ohio State. You know, uh, if some of the rumors are of Urban Meyer going to the Jacksonville Jaguars to become their new head coach is true, watch out for Fields to be number one. I think it'll be harder than most people think to pass up on a Justin Fields when a Meyer and Fields, they already have that relationship together. You know Meyer has been around the Ohio State program, even if he's not the head coach anymore. You know there is still communication and relationships with the players and coaches there that are currently still in Columbus. So Justin Fields, a stud, six touchdowns against Clemson. I don't see him throwing six against Alabama, but, man, that's the Alabama secondary. Watch out. Trey Sermon, running back, he has really taken over and is hitting on all cylinders right now. He's a transfer as well, came from Oklahoma. He he is balling out. I mean, you look at these last two games against Clemson, against Northwestern, he is really on a hot streak. Now, it's going to be tough against the Alabama defense. This is you know an Alabama defense that – it's only allowed two rushers to go over 100 yards through 12 contests, and that was in the same game against Ole Miss. You know, you saw Eagley and Connor just have their way against Alabama, but Trey Sermon will have to work and work, and that offensive line will have to create holes because the Alabama defense is stout. But, man, Trey Sermon, if anybody can do it, I think he can definitely make it happen. You look at their receivers, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, two young players who are just making names for themselves. As we know, Ohio State constantly puts out great receivers. These two are going to be a headache as well, as we know. I mean, you talked about uh, Florida, Kyle Trask having his receiving group with Jacob Copeland. You look at Kadarius Toney, Kyle Pitts, uh, Trevon Grimes. Olave and Wilson are two of the best in the country, so... And with that cannon of Justin Fields and the accuracy that he has, they're going to take plenty of shots downfield. And that's what it takes to beat an Alabama-type team. You're not going 12 plays, 80 yards, and eight minutes to beat that team consistently. Like You can't continually, each possession, expect to go 10 to 12 plays. You're going to need chunk plays, as I call them, like plays where you go 25 yards or 40 yards down the field and taking those deep passes to shorten a 10-play drive down to maybe six, you know. So when Alabama has had trouble against teams, it's the team with a good quarterback who can stretch them downfield. A deep, strong-throwing quarterback is what it takes. And so if that quarterback also has mobility, oh, boy, Alabama fans may have to get the Excedrin out early if it's uh, if it turns out to be – that type of game, as we've seen guys like Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, both from Clemson, that's what it takes to beat an Alabama-type team, a quarterback who will test you deep and beat you deep as well with excellent playmakers as Fields has in Olave and Wilson. Looking at that defense for the Buckeyes, Sean Wade, one of the best corners, he'll be a first-round pick. You know, there was some talks of him maybe entering the draft last year, but he decided to come back. Seven Banks, one of these players in the secondary as well. He does wear the number seven, which is kind of fitting, especially for his name. Tough Borland linebacker, senior linebacker. You know, uh, 
you don't see that name tough very often. So immediately you're thinking, okay, that's just a nickname. Nah, that's actually his real name. His dad got the name from, you know, his dad worked with Rydell, the helmet company, several years ago. And he had a co-worker, a co-worker whose name was Tough. And so, you know, he liked that idea. It's like, man, if I have a son, I want to name him Tough. You know, he wanted to not only have his son with the last name to live up to, but also a first name to aspire to live up to as well. And so when you have a name as Tough, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, something that, you're not going to expect someone with the name Tough to be soft. <laughs> but uh, kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of on the contrary, but, you know, the girls, it's a joke, you know, somebody being named Precious, and they're not really Precious. But uh, in this case, Tough Borland, he definitely exemplifies the word Tough as indicated in his name. Now, his first name is actually Jared. Well, it was until... When he was in school, or in high school, he had his parents drop Jared from his name. So it would just be Tough Borland. So Jared is no longer a part of his name. It was supposed to be Jared Tough Borland as his full name. But, you know, he's a very good linebacker for Ohio State, someone that we've heard for a while, you know, because he constantly makes plays and has been a part of the Buckeyes program for quite a few years. And then you look at a guy like Jonathan Cooper on that defensive line who had a sack fumble against Trevor Lawrence and that Clemson offense as well. So you look at these two teams, uh, very evenly matched. I don't think it'll be one-sided one way or the other. But I do have as the deciding factor Alabama's run game offensively and defensively. I think that will be the telltale sign for Alabama to win the game. So if they don't, contribute like they normally do rushing offense wise or rushing defense wise it could be a long night for the crimson tide so that's what it's going to come down to of course it always comes to the trenches but i'm being specific alabama's run game offensively and defensively as well because ohio state didn't allow any rushers to go over 100 yards in any single game this year but we are again talking about a seven-game resume, as we've talked about, and beat that down to the ground. So Alabama allowed two, as I mentioned, both in the same game against Ole Miss. That was the only occurrence. So I look at the two, Alabama in 12 games. It happened in one game. Ohio State, seven-game resume, did not happen at all. I look at it as... I know we all love French fries. You know, anybody that knows me, I love my burgers. So you're going to have fries if you're going to eat a burger. So when I think of really good French fries, especially in the fast food industry, McDonald's and Chick-fil-A, they have some of the best fries, right? I think a lot of people could agree with that. But I'll take McDonald's fries over Chick-fil-A fries any day. And the reason being is McDonald's fries... You get a large fry, you know what? It's quantity and quality. So it's a bunch of fries, and they're really good. You get a large fry from Chick-fil-A, it's just quality. The quantity isn't there. They're the big waffle fries, so you don't have as many, and you're kind of like, man, that's that's it? Like, you know, I still got half my sandwich left. So 
that's how I look at Alabama Ohio State. Twelve contests. It only happened one game where they allowed over one hundred yards uh, as far as rushing goes. They're McDonald's. They're the they're the best. They have the quantity and the quality to prove that hey, we are a stout run defense. You're not going to have your way with us, especially if you don't have speed guys like Ely and Connor who can just gash you in that excellent game plan that Lane Kiffin had on that Saturday night. Ohio State, unfortunately, they're Chick-fil-A, which isn't bad. Chick-fil-A, like I mentioned, is one of the best fries you know, out there, but you're just getting the quality. They're very good, but they don't have that resume. It's only seven games. It's not 12. It's not the same. 12 and 7 does not equate. So uh, with that being said, just to wrap it up, I'm going Alabama 31-27. I would not be shocked at all if Ohio State did win this game because it's going to be a battle and hopefully a classic. But I'm 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 picking Bama. I'm going with the Crimson Tide to come out and you know hold on and get that W and have Nick Saban with his seventh national championship. And you know this guy is one of the best ever to do it and I think that's what he's waiting on is to try to get at least two more at least two more titles you know one more breaks Bear Bryant's record but two would make it nearly impossible for anyone to supplant in the years to come you're listening to the sweet spot with Corey Bradley on the joy FM sports it's more than a game Care Animal Center is a business ministry partner with the Joy FM. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that's dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is care-animal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan. Phone 334-794-6333. Denny Vision is a proud supporter of the Joy FM, and their number one priority is patient satisfaction. They strive to provide a positive experience from the moment each person walks into the office. Denny Vision has an optical lab to create lenses on site, along with a selection of designer optical and sunglass frames. They focus on promoting good eye health while assisting patients in having the clearest vision possible. Their doctors help see the difference, which is their slogan. Located at 151 East Main Street in Dothan, online at DennyVision.com or phone 334-793-2633. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. All right, okay, even though my world has changed, you stay the same, and everything's gonna be all right. Back to the sweet spot sponsored by Pinchapenny Pool Patio and Spa. As we close with today's Triple C segment, Corey's closing comments. This is what I want to share with you today. If you want better, you have to do better. It's as simple as that. If you want better, you have to do better. You can't do the same thing and expect different results. So, If something's not working out the way you like, change something up. Something needs to 
be changed in that process if you're not getting the results that you hope and desire so if you want better you simply just have to do better like you can't give a c minus effort and expect an a result that's not how it works i mean those of you who are in school those of you who have been in school you know that's not how life works that's not how grades work so if you got an a plus on your test you know you put in that a plus effort through studying and researching and doing whatever it took to get that a plus on your exam so the same as life if you want better you have to do better and as we always say there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot Stay in the sweet spot on the Joy FM Sports Facebook page. This has been a presentation of the Joy FM Sports. It's more than a game.